right, I will uh, lead you now in a time of imaginative prayer. We've, we've touched on this a little bit, and um, we'll actually be moving more in that direction as we begin next week, and especially as we um, enter into what's the second movement, which will begin after Christmas. So this is just a taste of that. Um, you don't have to take any notes, and so I would encourage you um, to actually just whatever is in your lap, to put it down and to uh, just make yourself comfortable. And we will uh, follow um, Jesus through this scene, uh, picking up right before. It's, it's very interesting. Right before the scene, um, Jesus makes some very profound um, statements. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. People do not know what to do with that. Uh, they don't, they're not ready to receive his teaching. So just think in your mind as we enter this sort of from Jesus' perspective, He's just said one of the most amazing things ever, and people have had an argument about what, he, what it meant. So he's in a little bit of a um, sort of a ministry crisis in some ways uh, where he said what he thought God gave him to say, and um, the response has been discouraging. So let's just keep that in mind as sort of this starting place um, as Jesus makes his way to the Mount of Olives uh, to pray. So let me give you some instructions about um, imaginative prayer. First of all, some people have more, um, their imagination is more visual, and so they like see things kind of like little kids when you sit down and you tell them a story. Um, their imagination is, is very visual. It's a little bit like a video. That is not, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that is what imagination is, is that, that ability of the mind to form images. That is a part of it, but it's not all of it. And so you may find as you're entering imaginatively that what's touched is more um, your feelings, more impressions. Like if I say to you, um, just look at Jesus, what emotion do you read on his face? You may not see a big grin like, oh, he must be happy, he's smiling from ear to ear. It may be just like a feeling that you have about how Jesus is feeling here. So just realize that your, your powers of empathy, uh, the power of visualization, this just sort of getting a sense of things, that all of these are part of imagination. So if you find that you're not getting sort of a technicolor uh, visualization, that doesn't mean like it isn't working for you and you can't be imaginative. Um, just like you were... A small child listening to a story being read and all of a sudden you get caught up in it and like you forget everything because you're so caught up in the story that's the main thing that we're hoping for as we enter into this way of prayer is that we're just really taken into uh, the story um, so let's begin um, close your eyes and I encourage you just to take a few deep breaths very consciously leave the cares of the day, set them to one side.
and remembering that simple exercise from last week when we prayed with our hands open, palms up, or palms down. Uh, just place your hands in a way that um, helps you feel more open, more surrendered, more present to the Lord. I breathe in God's presence here with us. He is present here in one another. They're divine image bearers sitting all around you, animated by the Holy Spirit. Now let's begin our prayer. Jesus has just proclaimed, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The people who heard these words did not understand. Some wanted to arrest him. Nicodemus defended him. After the argument, everyone returns to their homes. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray. Follow Jesus as he makes his way to the mountain. Under the trees. Praying. Observe Jesus. Is he sitting or standing, laying prostrate, pacing, as he brings the confusion of the last, this argument to his father? What is he feeling? Is it a time of desolation for him? Of consolation? Is he energized? Is he depleted? What happens to Jesus as he pours out his heart to his Father? Can you tell how he feels from his body language? 
You have a sense of the emotion of his prayer. Stay with Jesus for a while. Allow yourself to enter into his posture of prayerfulness. And adjust your own body posture to be attentive towards God as we continue. Stay with Jesus through the night and rest in the shelter of his company. As the sky lightens and the daylight nears, turn your attention again to Jesus. When he gets up and begins his descent down the mountain, follow him. Follow him as closely as you desire as he approaches the temple. If you wish, let him know that you're with him and let him acknowledge your presence. See the crowd of people as Jesus approaches. as they gather around him. And make sure you get a good seat so that you can still see him and hear him talking. What's the vibe of the crowd? What do you notice about the people sitting around you? Then notice the commotion as the scribes and the Pharisees and the woman approach. Turn your attention to them, especially to the woman's face. Is she old or young? Rich or poor? What can you tell about how she is feeling right now?
And what happens to the emotions of the people in the crowd around you? Do you sense agitation or fear? Does the noise level get louder or quieter? And how do you feel? What is stirring in your heart at the side of the woman and the men who are handling her? Turn your attention now to the exchange between the Pharisees and Jesus. Teacher of the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Look at Jesus and await his response. Watch him as he begins to draw on the ground. Keep watching Jesus as the, as the crowd demands that he say something. Is there anything you can read in his emotions? Continue watching him until he stands to his feet. Let him who was who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Who is he looking at when he says these words? Does he look at you? Continue watching him as he once again bends down on the ground and resumes writing. I notice how you feel.
you like him to know you're there? When you're ready, turn your attention to the woman. Watch her as the scribes and the Pharisees let go of her. And as the crowd disperses. Watch the oldest, the elders leave first. Notice if she looks at Jesus. Are her eyes lowered? And does she see you? And turn your attention to the two figures, to Jesus and the woman. What do you notice about their interaction? Any gestures? their postures. Any emotions? Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. From now on, go and sin no more. Is there anything you want to do for this woman or for Jesus in this moment? Where do you place yourself in relation to the two of them?
And in this place of great stillness and love, look at Jesus. And behold him looking at you. Allow yourself to be looked at by the Lord. When you're ready, you can open your eyes, and if you'd like to, you can journal. I'll give you about five, seven minutes. Um, so if you have your, um, your notebooks, you can uh, go ahead and open those. Uh, we are now on uh, page 46. Uh, forgiveness and healing. So, as Drew said, we've been we've really been focusing many ways inwardly by the light of the Holy Spirit at uh, the patterns of sin in our lives, those things that are very entrenched, and maybe that part of that uh, for you was an awareness of uh, God's judgment in your life at some point in time. Um, that's where we, where, where we experience this holiness of God, uh, his wrath and his love of um, coming, coming together. But now we are turning our attention back to Jesus and to his extravagant mercy, his forgiveness and his healing grace. So let me explain. We really only have two um, prayer exercises uh, this week. One is to pray with scripture, and then I'm also uh, suggesting that you, you think about writing out uh, a confession of sin in light of that. So um, let's do this. Let's begin actually with that extra exercise. If you would turn in your uh, prayer resources uh, to page 21 to the reconciliation of a penitent. It's right out of our prayer book. Um, I've included this for you in case you ever wondered what happens when you go to confession and you haven't looked it up in the prayer book. This is just straight out of the prayer book. This is what would happen. And if we were in a 30-day retreat, it would at least be offered that you could go and... Um, uh, if we were in a Catholic setting, see, see a priest for a formal confession. But I, I do want to encourage you that confession is an option for you. Sometimes I think after we stir all this stuff up, we need some closure. And that's one of the things that happens in um, reconciliation is, is a sense of closure. 
Uh, you may have been confessing these sins uh, to God and doing your best to receive an assurance of his forgiveness, but it's still hanging over you. And uh, you do not have to come see a priest or a pastor at res. Um, anyone, can hear your, anyone can hear your confession. So it may be that you want to um, give a more tangible expression of your, of your contrition and really receive the ministry of forgiveness by actually confessing your sins to another person. So your group leader uh, would be someone that you could meet with. And if for some reason you really feel like it would be helpful um, to see a pastor or a priest, if you just call the church office or email me, we can, we can get that set up. Sometimes that can be just a real game changer. Uh, speaking of healing, um, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, um, she, for her job, she had to move to a small town, and the only game in town was the Catholic Church, so she was like, okay, I guess I'm going to become Catholic. So uh, she went through the whole uh, confirmation process, became Catholic, and, and the whole, it was a very vital uh, rural church, and it was just sort of a normal thing that everyone went to confession every week. And um, she'd been in a, in a process on a healing journey for a long time, but um, there was something about sitting down with someone uh, on a weekly basis and saying, so, I'm sure you've sinned this week. Where do you want to begin? <laughs> and it was very interesting that, that that kind of openness, that kind of opportunity, there were things that she finally started talking about that she'd been in therapy, she'd been doing all kinds of things, and just keeping this one thing under wraps. There was just so much shame surrounding it. And um, so much healing came because she started to actually talk about it. So um, if that will serve you to move into bringing some closure around these matters of sin and entering into healing, I just want to urge you to take advantage of that opportunity. Okay, now I want to just say a few words about um, the way that we're praying with Scripture right now. And um, I, I hope you like this. Uh, I hope you find this interesting. I think what you'll find out is that you've probably been experiencing this all along. And now as I uh, give words to this, you'll say, oh, yeah, that's it exactly. So Ignatius of Loyola encourages us to meditate, on, meditate and he uses the word meditate, on Scripture with the three powers of the soul. Sort of mysterious and mystical in its sounding. Um, so there are three, the three powers of the soul, and this would come right out of uh, medieval understanding, uh, developed out of Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas. I mean, this, this is like, he didn't make this up. He's just giving expression to a commonly understood um, way of talking about the soul. And it, these three powers of the soul are the understanding, the memory, and the will. So let me talk about each of those briefly, and then how this helps us to meditate on scripture. Um, first of all, the, the intellect. The intellect is not uh, your intelligence so much as it is this very rational capacity that we have to analyze. So if you have done like an inductive, an inductive Bible study, if you've been trained in the historical critical method, often there's someone in here who like knows Greek and Hebrew, um, you, you have engaged in a kind of meditation that is using the intellect. 
So when, you, when you're studying, I don't care how scholarly you get, it's a type of, of meditation. Um, but Ignatius would say that can be, um, the Holy Spirit can be invited into that. Um, so when you're starting to make connections, intellectual connections, we can invite the Holy Spirit to influence our intellect when we're meditating on scripture. And I think that's the one we're most familiar with. When you think of Bible study, that's often where we want to go with that. Uh, the second power of the soul is the memory. This means that when you come to a passage of scripture and you're praying deeply with it, that the things that you remember while you're praying are part of how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Uh, so, for example, um, you might have a memory of a tactile experience, an auditory memory, a visual memory, an olfactory memory. That means like smell and taste um, or a relationship memory. So let me give you a practical example of this. If we are, for example, meditating on Jesus' statement that he is living water, you might find while you're praying about this that suddenly you remember a time that you were at the beach or on a river or maybe even in the shower, um, some kind of experience you had with water. You remember something tactile, something visual related to water. Um, so when we have those kinds of uh, recollections in prayer, because we have opened our memory to the influence of the Holy Spirit, instead of thinking, gosh, I'm having such a hard time concentrating, why am I thinking about the beach? <laughs> well, it might be you were thinking about the beach because you have actually opened your memory to the influence of the Holy Spirit. So when you are meditating on scripture, you want to actually be aware that um, memories, the memories that are kind of fluttering up. Don't assume it's a distraction. It could very well be the touch of the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember uh, praying with one of the passages of um, Jesus healing um, a blind man, and for some reason I had the most vivid memory of uh, a homeless man that I had befriended during an internship in college. And like, he, my, the memory of that man, his beard, his face, the way he smelled, he did not smell good, uh, you know, all the, all the details, the fleas that jumped out of his head, uh, his crooked teeth, uh, the smell of his breath, like, so vivid, the memory of that particular homeless man. So then when I came to pray with this experience of Jesus healing the blind man, all of a sudden the blind man in that image was my friend, you know, Red from 25, 30 years ago. That wasn't a distraction. It was actually the Holy Spirit resting on my memory while I was praying. So when you bring this, the power of the soul, this, the power of memory to a meditation, it helps to flush out and helps to connect. And then the third and last one is the, the will. Um, this take a long time to get into to mystic understanding of why this word is used, but think in terms of the will as that related to passions and emotions. Um, this emotional energy that moves us into action or to choices. Uh, all you have to do is realize that people who are, you know, trying to sell us things or those who are good at various kinds of propaganda, they're, what they're trying to do is not convince us intellectually. They're trying to stir us emotionally because they know if we're stirred emotionally, we'll make a decision. And so um, when you bring uh, your will, meaning your passions and your emotions, into your meditation on scripture, um, 
you're allowing the Holy Spirit to stir those emotions, to help you make emotional connections, to actually bring your emotional intelligence to bear upon the passage of Scripture. Um, praying in this, in this way, um, this meditating on the gospel stories with the three powers of the soul, it, it brings color and dimension to the stories. Um, it, it allows us to connect with them uh, and to encounter them. Um, and because the gospel stories are actually really good stories, they also just elicit these responses from us. Um, the gospel writers don't have to put in a lot of descriptive words about how the people were feeling. You know, all, all you have to do is picture your, your, in your imagination the leper coming up and having inter interaction with Jesus and Jesus touching him, and you can fill out the whole emotional tenor of the interaction because it's a great story. Um, and then finally, um, just to bring this to your, to your focus, you may have experienced this already, that when we meditate on scripture with these three powers of the soul, uh, with the Spirit's help, we are, um, we're doing something with the text. You ever have that sense? I, I want to do something with this text while I'm praying about praying. And so there's something that we're bringing as we're praying with the text. But at the same time, there's another thing that's happening um, because we're in a really receptive posture. And because we're in a receptive posture, it makes it possible for the story, with the Spirit's help, to do something to us. And that really is our goal when we're praying with Scripture in this way, is we want those stories to do something to us, to, to change us, to, to stir us. If you ever hear language around, oh, we've got this great rift between head and heart. How am I going to heal the, the, the gap between my head and my heart? Um, this way of, of meditating on scripture, the, especially on the gospel stories, when you have memory, intellect, will, all together complementing one another, strengthening one another, that gap between the head and the heart begins to heal. Um, and there's not really a shortcut here. You know, you, we're in a long course of prayerful meditation. So instead of just laying hands on you and praying miraculously for some sort of connection to happen between the head and the heart, uh, these are those, those, those exercises that start to bring the connection between the two. I think that's it. All right, so... Um, This week, the main thing that you're doing is um, there's several passages of Scripture about Jesus healing others that I encourage you to bring the whole of your soul <laughs> to uh, bear on these, these stories. Uh, allow these stories just to take you someplace that you had never imagined. Um, uh, open your heart in faith to where the stories will take you. And then you can use, as we have done in the past, uh, praying with Scripture for those uh, passages from Ephesians, Colossians, Romans, and Hosea. All right, yes, two weeks, right, you have two weeks on this, so take your time. Um, please don't feel like you've got to give all of these equal um, energy. It could be that one or two of those 
like take over your life. Let, let them do it. Go deep. Much better to go deep than to go uh, wide.